We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 36, and we are super excited to be joined by former defensive lineman for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He was on the team that played in the greatest game of the century back in 2006, that Ohio State-Michigan game. Several-year veteran in the NFL, and now he is a college football analyst. We're going to talk to Jay Richardson about his time with the Buckeyes, about the current team, and so much more. Uh, so we're really excited to have Jay on. Plus, he's going to join us for Garage Beers of the Week. So come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open your favorite cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. All right, everybody, and welcome on in to episode 36 of the Garage Beers podcast. We got a great one for you. A great weekend of football last weekend that we're going to get into. Ohio State has started. They are in the win column. They blew out Nebraska. We'll talk about that game, plus their upcoming game against the Penn State Nittany Lions. Plus, we got to talk about the Browns, 5-2. and two. What? The 5-2 and two Cleveland Browns? Guys, did you ever think you would see it? Uh, I don't know. But uh, let's get into intros real quick with you as always. Your host, Michael Keefe. You can find me online at Garage Beers Mike on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can also find the show page at The Garage Beers on Instagram and Twitter and go find us on Facebook as well at The Garage Beers Podcast. Joining me as always, the two best co-hosts in the land over on the east side of Cleveland. Uh, find him online at Garage Beers Chad on Instagram and Twitter. It's Chad Meyer. What's going on, Chad? My Roku keeps on sticking to my TV. Oh, no. I can't do it. Like, guys, like, I'm having first world problems right now, and I don't know if I can take it. Uh, How how are you going to watch TV and podcasts at the same time? (laughs) Well, that's exactly what I do. You know, that's where I get in a good headspace here, guys. Okay? That's how it gets my most comfortable to do a pod, all right? And that's also when we have to be like, Chad, Chad, Chad. Chad, right. snap back in. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, I'm good. But I'm, I'm good, guys. I'm excited. Uh, you know, Buckeyes kicked off. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Big Ten football is back. It, it kind of college football, even though it's been going on for a couple weeks now, because I don't know, kind of felt lost without the Big Ten. So to me, so I'm really happy. Big Ten football is back at least for a minute because Wisconsin all has the COVID. <sighs> 
<laughs> yeah. Shocker. At least we don't. At least we don't have to play Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Chad's pumped about football. He's pumped about the Big Ten, which is a good episode for you to be pumped about the Big Ten because we're going to talk some Big Ten football here on this episode. Uh, but before we get to that, let's bring in our other co-host down in Nashville, Tennessee. Find him on Twitter at Garage Beers Joe. It's Joey Whalen. What's going on, Joe? I was going to talk about uh, how much my back hurts today, <laughs> uh, but no one wants to hear about that shit. So uh, how about the Browns, though? Woo! Yeah. How about the Browns? Baker Mayfield, Offensive Player of the Week for the AFC. Five Woo-hoo! touchdowns? Get out of here. Are you Woo-hoo! kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're Are joking you kidding my ass. Me? You're joking my oh. ass. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're going to talk about that on this episode because, I mean, it was great. It was a, a, a five-touchdown performance. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Five and two rounds? Are you kidding me? Right. We'll hit on that later. All right, and now we want to welcome in our very special guest. Uh, this one's really exciting. It's super timely because Ohio State football just got going, and we have a former Ohio State football player, defensive lineman, who played for the Buckeyes uh, in the, one of the most memorable years that you will remember, 2006, that 2006 Buckeyes team, which we are going to talk about, one of the great Buckeyes teams of all time. Yeah. And when you know we're going to have to get into that game against Michigan, one of the greatest football games of all time. Uh, and our man, made, our man made his presence known in that game. Uh, also played several seasons in the NFL and now is a TV analyst covering some Buckeyes football. We're super excited to bring in Jay Richardson. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. And thanks uh, for all you guys for having me on. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, man, we are, we're going to have a good time. We're going to talk some football um, and, and uh, we'll have a good time with that. But before we talk football, yeah. we have to get into our favorite segment every week. That is called our Garage Beers of the Week. Okay. Uh, now, again, a Garage Beer of the Week doesn't necessarily have to be a beer. Uh, <laughs> it can be whatever you choose, but we always good. let our guests lead off. So can I get us started then? You, you get, get us started, started, man. You just tell us what you're drinking. Tell us what right. you're enjoying. Fellas, and, uh, yeah. I... Listen, I'm, I know it's called Garage Beers. I'm not a huge beer guy. I'm a, I'm a tequila man, um, have been for a long – I learned in college that tequila was the only spirit that's an upper, not a downer. So oh. if you want to have a good time and you want to keep the party rolling, you get yourself some tequila so you don't fall asleep. Um, so I got, I got a little tequila. You see, you got the fancy uh, single ball there. Oh yeah, that's what you do okay. when you're when you're really fancy. Um, I actually yeah, right. like this tequila <laughs> a lot because one of my favorite, um, I guess, movie personalities, um, former athlete The Rock, has this yeah. new tequila called Termana. Oh yeah, that's oh, so. I've Termana. had that. Yeah, extremely smooth, extremely good. This is a little reposado. So, you know, that's how I roll. So we're doing it. Yeah. And awesome. you have a tequila and you have a tequila on the rock, only one ice cube. <laughs> so it's not on the rocks. He he would be proud. Dwayne Johnson would be proud. It's just flowing together, man. Somewhere and, and we know he listens to every episode. Somewhere Dwayne Johnson is just yeah. smiling <laughs> on us here. Let him know he yeah. owes Jay Richardson a couple bucks for the uh, for the endorsement there. No, it's fantastic yeah. tequila though. Jay, yeah, I, don't I mean he's probably no free he, ads. He's probably in bed right now, though, right? He gets up at like 3 a.m. to work out every day. I, mean, I think he like shoots and films until midnight, sleeps for three hours, and then gets up and works out again. <laughs> yeah, just an animal. Dude, you know how fat I would be if I did that? 
<laughs> Thank you. I mean a lot. Right, so Garage Tequila of the Week. That's exciting. Uh, Jay Richardson coming in with the tequila. We'll send it over to Chad. What's your Garage Beer of the Week? Oh, well, I, uh, guys, am going to uh, continue with the sophistication that I'm, uh, as Mr. Richardson brought with the tequila there. There we go. I'm going, wi- I'm going wine. This what? Week. Oh, look at you. I'm going wine. Oh, I know I what you're doing. I know what you're doing. A Pinot Noir. Hold on, I gotta get uh, it's, this. It's Pinot Noir. And Jay, it is from a, a brand called Chosen Family Wines. Okay. And it is from friend of the show, Channing Fry of your oh, of the Cleveland Cavaliers. How about that? Yeah. How about that? This is this is his wine brand. He just came out with it. He's got a Chardonnay and a Pinot. And it's freaking delicious. Yeah, he's, the, uh, guys, I mean, he's the 6'11 three-point specialist. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, guys, it is, it is – if you can swing it, I recommend it. It's, it's, I'm not much of a wine drinker, yeah. just like Jay's not much of a beer drinker, but it is so smooth, guys. Oh, so That good. is fancy. That is very it's, fancy. I'm not I'm – Very not fancy so far. You look like a connoisseur <laughs> right now. Oh, I <laughs> – I, I, I did the I did the swirl and the and the sniff and the swish. I noticed that you were checking the legs on it. Well done, well done. Yeah, yeah. and, and the really notes. I'm getting tannins. all the. I'm getting all the proper notes yeah. you're supposed to get in the Pinot. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, that's awesome. Yeah, we were lucky enough to have Channing Fry on a I don't know several weeks back, and he was just getting ready to release that uh, that wine, and it came out. Chad got himself a couple bottles, and, uh, yeah, we're off. Aw- that's awesome. Like, we can always have Channing Fry's wine on garage beers. That counts as a garage beer. And his former yes. teammate, I don't know if I tell uh, that. just won a, a title, LeBron, so I know he's happy about that. Oh, oh sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I wish that was. He's probably, cool. he's probably busting his balls. They, they, they always, they always like to <laughs> I noticed that. get in I'm, each I'm other's grill. <laughs> yeah. All right, Joe. Are we going to have a beer on the Garage Beers podcast? Yeah, I, I'm going to bring in the beer. Uh, <laughs> All right. I got Nashville uh, Brewery, uh, Black Abbey, Five Points uh, IPA. Okay. Uh, it's like a super small brewery up here, but super good. Um, pretty hoppy. Not super high uh, alcohol-wise, but uh, pretty uh, pretty easy to drink. That stands for Indian Pale Ale? Yeah. Super hoppy, right? Pale. Very bitter, I assume. Yeah, this one not particularly. Uh, it is like, like super foamy. Like it's really hard to pour a glass. Uh, <laughs> or that could just be a user error. That could just be a me thing. Terrible. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like my nightmare to drink. Too much work. <laughs> it's just too much work. Me. No, I mean it's. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I got a full glass. So it's not going to do it. But there you go. Usually, oh, there it, looks it is. It's beautiful yeah. now. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. Perfect. I love it. All right, so Joe's going with another Nashville. <laughs> Go with another Nashville brewery, and I will bring it home with one of my favorites. We went out to dinner here tonight. Uh, Saucy Brew Works, uh, downtown Cleveland. Uh, it, I have to give a shout out to the food for a minute because they've got like their wings are crazy good. Uh, the pizzas are good. It's just a good place. And again, they've taken all the proper precautions. If you're worried about going out and eating, it's a pretty comfortable place to go eat. But I picked up an entire growler of uh, a beer that they have called Cloud. It is a triple IPA. Oh, God. It is a 10.5% beer. Jeez. It is. Their description was that it is, it is made with an inappropriate amount of hops. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's incredible. It's, a, it's more of a New England style IPA. So, Chad, you oh. know what that means? It's not so bitter, but it's rather juicy. 
and uh, it still and sounds it's, like my it's nightmare. Incredible. No, it's it's awesome. Dude, that it's looks awesome. like a pirate jug of 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 liquor there. Somebody E-R. take this man's car key. <laughs> yeah, my garage beer of the week. You're one eye patch away. <laughs> hey, look. I haven't even shown you my peg leg yet. <laughs> you were drafted with God. the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, so we got a garage tequila, a garage wine, and a couple garage beers of the week. Uh, so that's what we're drinking. You guys share with us what you're drinking on our social media pages uh, and let us know if you have any garage beer suggestions. But to you guys, cheers. To you, the listeners, cheers. cheers. And, cheers. and let's get into a, a little bit with our incredible special guest, Jay Richardson. Uh, and listen, we want to talk to you about football we want to talk to you about your Ohio State time. We want to talk about the current Buckeyes. We're not going to start with that. Let's do it. Start where? Start. We are going to start. I can talk about anything. Let's do it. An incredible feud that you have going on <laughs> on Twitter. Yes. Did you two hug it out? Have you two hugged it out? I had, a, I had a feeling we were headed this direction. I mean, <laughs> listen, in, here in Cleveland, we're all from – we are Cleveland boys. Okay. okay. That is – that is legendary what you're doing right now because <laughs> that punk bitch move that he made joining the Warriors oh, man. What a cost us another title. Soft. So come yeah, on. See? See? So, so if so, you're not familiar. So let me. Familiar, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jay. Let me preface everything about this beef by just saying um, I have no personal issues with Kevin Durant. Um, I think he is a fantastic player. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I think he may go down as one of the top one or two scorers in the history of the NBA. He's that amazing of a scorer. I mean, the things he can do with the basketball at his size, with his length, um, it's the stuff of legends, man. This guy's skill set is unbelievable. With that being said, that is exactly why him joining a team that had, including him, four All-Stars, two MVPs, Basically, a defensive player of the year in Draymond and former six-man and former all-star in Iguodala coming off the bench was the softest move in sports history. <laughs> and that's just what I feel about it. I, I, I stated that. And here's the thing. When this little beef started, I, I, I believe he did an interview with CBS Sports and said something to the effect of, like, there's no asterisks by my rings. I earned my rings. He, right. he did. He, he went and played on a team – and, and won two rings. No one's saying you didn't. But all I did was retweeted that and put whatever helps you sleep at night, big fella. <laughs> because I think that's it. We all kind of know the same thing he deep down knows. And by the way, his retort to that was I think he he said practice squad. He he did like a Drake quote, which only high school girls quote Drake on their Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so that was disappointing. What was encouraging, though, was that he did tweet from his own account and not his burner account. That was oh, encouraging. Yeah, I exactly. that. that was that was that showed real progress and growth. Um, so that was good for him. Uh, and then we had a little back and forth, and I, I I explained myself to him very you know straightforward. I said, "Dude, you're a fantastic player. That's why it was a soft move. If you were a, if you were an average middle of the road player or a scrub, it wouldn't be a big deal." But that would be right. equivalent to to Michael Jordan in his prime 
losing, uh, you know, to, to, the, to, to the Pistons, couldn't get out of the East because of the Pistons and being like, I know, I'll just join the Pistons and Isaiah Thomas and Glenn Beard, you guys, <laughs> and then we'll get a ring. And then being like, right. respect my rings. It's like, eh, right. we'd love no. to, but we can't. I'm sorry. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, I don't want to get too long-winded, but people are always like, well, LeBron did the same thing. No, he did not. There are right. so many – there are so many just basic differences in, in, in the two moves they made. Let's just start with the year before LeBron got to Miami. Miami was, I think, a, a first round out in the playoffs. I think they might have won 50 games, not even. I think yeah. they actually won 40-something yeah, games and, was, and, and were, were bounced right away. They were not a good basketball team. Dwayne Wade was coming off of countless injuries. He wasn't healthy. They didn't really have any pieces there. LeBron joins the team that needed him to win. You get the difference right. there? Right. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and he needed a little help with the culture as well. And I think Pat Riley helped him with that, with that, with that culture of here's how we win. We need you to do it. But I, I've been to the mountaintop before, and I think, you know, we can help each other. And it was kind of a cohesive, this, this team needs him, and he needs this team. And it worked out yeah. perfectly. What Kevin That's Durant great, did was, was drastically different. You, That's a great point, though, because, like, <laughs> If it was just Chris Bosh and yeah. Dwayne Wade, it would have been a better team. They'd have been pretty decent. Would they have made four straight NBA finals without LeBron? Come on. No. But would the Warriors gotten back to the finals without Durant? Yes. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So you just said it right there. That, that's the, the, the simplest way to break it down. If you extract KD, do the Warriors still make it where they made it? Yeah. You know how we know? Because yeah. they made it to the finals the year before without him with the exact same roster. They won championships without him. <laughs> so, 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 so Kevin Durant, you know, has never been to the promised land. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, man, we won that because of KD. It was like, no, we're already champions. Come on, Kevin, if you want a ring, we'll show you how to get there. That, that's a very yeah. big difference, I yeah. think. And I think people who like to, to equate both moves to being the same thing just don't know basketball or just don't understand sports and, you know, how things work with – with competition and the level of, of these athletes. I mean, you're talking about two prime MVPs. Steph Curry was back-to-back MVP. Like, come on, man. Right. Like, right. LeBron <laughs> James that joined a team yeah. who just had a guy win an MVP, do you know what they say about him? Like, they would destroy him. Right. The same thing they just saying about KD. Think about when LeBron sure. couldn't beat Boston and they had KG – they had to form the first super team to beat LeBron, right? You know, right. they had to go and get KG. They had right. to go and get Ray Allen to join Paul Pierce yep. and Rondo. They had to get four All-Stars to beat LeBron when his next best player was Anderson freaking Bearjow. <laughs> like, come on, man. No, hey, no hate to Big Z. Don't hate Big Z. I love Big Z, man. LeBron, LeBron threw all those guys on his back and dragged them kicking and screaming to the damn finals when he was like 22 years old. Like we have to, we have to start putting the things that LeBron does in proper perspective. Like Jordan at 22 was just coming out wow. of UNC, you know, second yeah. year in the league, and was still trying to figure it out. LeBron at 22 was in the NBA Finals with Booby Gibson. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna call anybody out, it needs to be Sasha Pavlovich. <laughs> <laughs> the, Bull, the Bulls were damn near kicked out of the league when Jordan got into the NBA. So yeah. it was just, but. Um, yeah, I was, I was telling these guys, Jay, before you hopped on, you know, it's a classic, if you can't beat him, join a move that KD did. But have you ever, like, I don't want to say he's mentally fragile, but, like, have you ever seen a, a more sensitive superstar nowadays? 
than, than in Durant. You know what's funny? I, I don't know that I have. And it, it's so interesting yeah. that you guys brought this up just now because literally four hours ago, one of my former Ohio State teammates, um, outside linebacker, he was a transfer from another school, played great for us, and ended up playing for the 49ers when I was with the Raiders. His name is Larry Grant. He's from the West yeah. Coast. Great guy. Okay. So yeah. LG tweets at me and goes, yo, Kevin Durant just tweeted at me and got mad at me. And I was like, is he still doing this? <laughs> Turns out LG basically said the same thing I said. He was just kind of like, come on, Kevin, man. Like, you guys, you and LeBron's moves weren't the same thing. And Kevin Durant was like, what do you mean, Larry? And, like, they got into it. And I was like, he's still at it, man. This guy with the Twitter fingers. He's nuts. So it just oh, speaks man. to his, not just his thin skinness, but the fact that – because. If you know you're good, you don't respond to certain things, right? Like if someone was like, hey, right. you, were, you were crap at football, I would just laugh. Like, well, I mean, my resume speaks for itself, right? The fact- well, we were saying, too, it's like, it's like, you know, it's different if you just maybe owned up to it in some respect. Own it, man. That's, you know, right. people would stop talking about it. I wanted a ring, so I went to them. I wanted a ring, so I went. Yeah, sure. <laughs> my ring. I got it. And he tried. And then that's the part of me that'd be like, yeah, I get that. All right. If he ever did an interview, and was like, I could see how people could think that, and that, and I, you know, that makes sense. Um, you know, maybe if I get another one with Brooklyn, they'll shut up about it. We'd all be like, yeah, we would, because if you go and win one with Kyrie Irving and a bunch of, you know, pretty good guys, but nothing great, we'll all say, yeah, dude, you're that guy. No, hey, right. no hate. But until you do, your two rings that you got in Golden State, they're valid. They're all rings. But you know you're never going to be on LeBron's level. Not not with that on your resume. <laughs> I said no, I said no, just no. turn just go full heel turn. LeBron kind of did that when he went to Miami. He went like full on bad guy. He embraced the villain role. Yeah, yeah he was like, listen, I did what I did. Deal with it. He I'm gonna. I'm here. I am. He wasn't the hero Gotham wanted, but he was the hero Gotham needed. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly yeah. There we go. <laughs> as, he, as, I, he even had to wear a black mask because he. I think he hurt his nose and he had yes. a black. Mask. Oh he yeah. Yeah. Right. People. I love that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He went full heel turn, then he came back away from it, and it's it is what it is. But like Kevin Durant, like you said, the freaking burner accounts. Oh come on, like, man. Like just tweeting from random. Like I am not Kevin Durant. At I am not Kevin Durant. Like KD is the man. He wouldn't do that. Like, I'm actually uh, convinced that he that he responded in my mentions from a couple of his burners. I'm still not convinced it wasn't him. I'm pretty sure it was a couple of times. It's, it's, it's the ultimate soft move. It's kind of too bad, like to have that much, uh, uh, you know, talent, greatness, money, success, and to still be so damn insecure is is almost embarrassing. But oh, sure. Hey, listen, he's. Uh, we're not going to sit here and talk about Kevin Durant for a half hour, but uh, pretty pretty awesome little feud you got into recently, and uh, we had to bring that up. So let's kick it down, and we're just going to kind of fast forward because we we're not going to take three hours with you, obviously. But let's just fast forward. Uh, you're 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 most well known, especially here in Ohio, uh, for your time with the Buckeyes, uh, and and you were with the Buckeyes for. Uh, a couple seasons, you were a primary player for a couple seasons there, uh, but most notably uh, that 2006 season uh, and and that time that you were there. I mean, God, look back. We've done this with a couple other players, a couple other former Buckeyes, uh, but you look back and just it's always crazy to look back at the Buckeyes and look at the names that were your teammates uh, back from your time with them, Malcolm Jenkins, 
Troy Smith, Ted Ginn, yeah. uh, Vernon Golston, James Laurinaitis, Anthony Gonzalez, Quinn Pickock, and I, you could name 15 more players. It was like a college all-star team, man. <laughs> yeah, was, right? You know, right? Rabisky and Hartline, you, you played with all those guys. Uh, what was that, you know, you, you grew up really in the Columbus area. You've got a great story. Uh, you bounced around a bit with your mom. There's a great article that if you Google you, there's a great article about your mom oh, uh, and awesome. taking you around places. Really cool. But uh, 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 you grew up really in the Columbus area. So what was that like uh, getting a chance to play at Ohio State? What was that process like making that decision to go to Ohio State? You know, it's funny. A lot of people don't know this about me. I was not a huge jock growing up. Did not grow up watching football. Did not grow up um, idolizing athletes. So uh, I, I was born in D.C., me, me and my mother, um, we, my mom worked for the government, so we lived overseas. I lived in Guam for three years as a kid, Korea, Japan, all these places, Virginia, Newport News, Virginia, where my middle yeah. brother was born, uh, home of Allen Iverson. So yeah. when, when I got to Columbus, um, like late elementary school, early middle school, I didn't, this whole football thing was like, whatever. Like I, I, I was, I'd rather read comic books and hang out and, you know, uh, get into trouble, right? Like, you know, just being the kid. Um, and I had a math teacher that was like, you know, Jay, you look like a football player to me. I just, I just, I, I can see it in you. And I must've been like in seventh grade. And I was like, oh yeah. And she was a hot math teacher. So I was like, well, I, I, football, I might have a shot. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, this, now I might've been like, I was just getting my pants on. Because now teachers are like <laughs> yes. messing with students and they, they weren't doing that when I was in school. <laughs> no, well, at least not that you knew. Not that you knew. Much to my dismay, because yeah. I would have been, I would have been right there for it. Now I'm joking. Right. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Right. But listen, listen. So, so here's the thing. You know, uh, I, I I tried football in seventh grade. I'm so bad at it. I quit in two weeks. I'm like, this is stupid. I did, like, why am I even? I don't. Everyone's running everywhere. I don't feel like running. This is dumb. And I didn't try again until high school. Hit a few growth spurts and all that. And it, it wasn't. I mean, let's be honest, I was, you know, as a freshman in high school, I was 6'1", 215 pounds. It, I was the biggest blackest thing in every room I was ever in. It's <laughs> right. made sense. They're like, you know, I love basketball was my real love, but football just kind of came easy. By, my, by the end of my sophomore year, I had my first athletic scholarship was, was wow. uh, from Virginia Tech. Um, I'll never oh. forget getting a phone call. My mom, uh, I, I answered the phone. And it was it was a coach there at Vitek, and he's like, hey, you know, is your mother home? I, you know, I'd, I'd love to speak to her. And she got on the phone, and she's on the phone, and all of a sudden, I just see her eyes get all watery. And I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, sweetie, they just that was uh that was Frank Beamer. He just offered you a full athletic scholarship, and I was like, cool. What's that? Like I wasn't even, <laughs> I didn't even know how this process worked, and it just went crazy from there. By the end of my junior year, it was like we had like 30 offers, and I was you know, 6'5", 240 pounds and could run pretty good and playing basketball yeah. and all district in basketball and all state in football. And it was kind of like, all right, this guy's probably going to be playing at the next level. Um, but all I wanted to do was go to Ohio State secretly. Like my mom was an OSU grad. I knew I wanted to go there, uh, but they didn't offer right away. You know, I, I went okay. to the advanced camp that they had and I'm out there you know, working out and running 40s and, and doing one-on-one -on -one drills with, like, you know, Doug Gaddish and Rob Sims and Nick Mangold and all these different guys. Um, and a lot of us didn't have offers yet. Me and Rob Sims both didn't have offers yet. And by the end of the camp, Coach Tressel pulled me aside and goes, I want to talk to you in my office real quick. And he, we go back to his office and he's like, listen, we, you know, we want you to play here for Ohio State. We, got, we, got, we have a scholarship for you. And I remember being like, yes, yes. yes. 
And he's like, and I'm, I'm ready to commit on the spot. And, and, and Tress is yeah. like, whoa, 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 go home, talk to your mom about it. You know, just take, take some time with like, it. And I was like, like no, 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 we're good. Like, we're, we're in, we're in. He's like, no, no, no. So my mama knows. Yeah, I'm, she like, knows. I'm like, she's waiting for this too. Like we're in. Um, so it was, that, that was a cool feeling. Uh, we were the number one recruiting class in the country. Right. Yeah. It's like me and uh, Mike D'Andrea, Maurice Claret and um, oh. uh, Santonio Holmes and Troy Smith ta- won the Heisman. And, uh, I got tackled by Mike D'Andrea. Um, Rob Sims, who ended up playing like 10 years in the pro. Nick Manuel, yeah. who ended up being the number one center in the NFL for a while. Like we had some we had some ballers, man. Like we had some studs. So our rookie, our rookie, our freshman uh, team kind of had a lot to live up to. So all the older guys on the team were really hard on us, you know, all the seniors like, you know, C. Grant and Kitty Peterson and all of these guys and Craig Krenz, all these guys. I mean, they were, they were tough on us because they, they were probably sick of hearing how great we were coming in. So there was already like locker room battles and there was a lot of pressure yeah. and practices were getting crazy. I mean, you, helmets were cracking. Everyone was going at it. And it, it was interesting to see all the guys who didn't necessarily have the big names coming in. Like myself, I was like a three and a half star. Like I wasn't a huge prospect necessarily. Yeah. Uh, AJ Hawk, they moved him to fullback during our freshman camp because they're like, I, I, we don't know what to do with him. You know, uh, and it's just so funny how things turned out. Rob Sims was at the bottom of the depth chart. You know, years later, the guys who played the longest, I think I, I, I squeezed out like six years. I think they gave me, yeah. they gave me six. I should have had seven. But, you know, Rob played like eight, nine. AJ played like 10. I mean, those, we ended up being, you know, having sustained, you know, years. And, you know, I started, uh, you know, my first four seasons. So it was, it was just interesting to see how things developed. And I think for some of us, it just took longer to figure it out. I didn't understand football until like my junior year. I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. Okay. I, I, played I can get one, better at this. I played one season of high school football. And in that season, I got tackled over the middle by Mike D'Andrea. Oh, and I knew I never wanted to play football anymore after that. <laughs> I was like, this shit is not for me. He was in Sports Illustrated Yeah, in high school. I was like, nope, this isn't for me. I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> we all were in uh, like a freshman orientation kind of situation. And this is all of our first times really seeing each other, you know, other than like some of the all-star games and stuff. And we had all heard about Mike D'Andrew, but none of us had ever really met him. And we're all in this classroom uh, before school, you know, before like camp and all that stuff started uh, going over some things. And in walks this dude who had the biggest forearms I'd ever seen. And I thought he was a coach or like a strength coach or something. And he just stacked. I mean, we all have like, you know, impressive for high school dude bodies. He's got impressive sure. for like a uh, men's muscle fitness magazine body for an adult male. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He sits down. He's as wide like, as the desk. He's got like the V taper, tiny waist. He's shredded. We're all like, who is this guy? And it looks like, like, dude, are you a senior? Are you a senior? Yeah. And we're all like, you're Mike DeAndre. He's like, he's like, yeah, what's going on? And I was like, good God, man. I'm not ready for this level. I remember thinking, <laughs> I'm never going to play here. Like, if that's a freshman, I have no chance. I mean, he was a freaking nature. He really was. So you guys, again, uh, just to kind of keep it moving, you guys uh, uh, formed a great class, like we said, uh, and then you, you got to that 2006 season. Yeah. It's one of the craziest seasons. When I look back at it, it's even crazier than I remember it. Yeah. You guys were so dominant. That, that 2006 Ohio State football team might be one of the most dominant football teams 
in the history of college football. You like you guys destroyed everybody. You gave up ten or fewer points in nine of twelve weeks. I don't ten or fewer to everybody you played. Dude, the only team. Yeah, the only team that scored more than seventeen points was Michigan. And, and you know what's interesting about that 06 team and just that, that season, what people don't – I don't want to get too, too deep into it. What people don't realize is a lot of those guys were really, really angry and resentful from the previous year, from 05, because we all yeah. felt like 05 was our best team. As it's, it's crazy okay. as that seems, when we had, you know, A.J. was that linebacker and Schlegel and, you know, myself and Kudla and, and, and Quinn and, 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 and we had Deontay Whitner and Nate Sally and Ashton Yabuti and all these guys and Malcolm Jam. We were loaded on defense, loaded on offense, and we played Vince Young and those guys in that Texas game in 05 at the stadium uh, here in Columbus, and we yeah. lost that game, man. We felt like we could have easily won that game had Troy played the oh. whole game. Yep, and because he they kept yo-yoing Troy, like pull him in, take him out, pull him in, take him out. It it kind of screwed us, and we were angry for the rest of that season. Just there was a lot of turmoil, and some of that dragged into '06, and then we got it figured out in camp, and we're like, let's just have a great year, and then we just started to destroy people. And the things that Troy Smith actually went through in '05, um, I know winning that Heisman for him was so emotional because. I mean, there was a time where they were, like, trying not to play him, and we were all, like, in practice going, he's the best. He was, we thought he was better than Craig Krenzel. Like, why, is, why are you guys trying to find ways not to put him on the field? Like, he's amazing. And then finally he goes and validates all of us by winning the Heisman, and we're like, duh, we knew he was that good. But he had to fight <laughs> just to get an opportunity wow. to be out there consistently, which was nuts to me. So it was, it was crazy, man. It was, and that year was like nothing could stop us. <laughs> Except for except for Urban Meyer, but but well, we're we're not going to talk about that. We're we're not going to. That even happened. You guys just won national champions that year. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, that Michigan game was Uh, wild. That was that was the most um, competitive, uh, the most physical. And I, 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 you know, hand on my heart, I tell guys, you know, this when I when I got to the next level in the pros, and even after about playing four seasons in the NFL, I remember saying. The most physical football game I've actually ever played in was my senior year against Michigan. That was the most yeah, yeah. beat up I'd ever been after a game because it was like a true battle. I mean, it was right. classic Big Ten football, but they were good. Like, they were really good. Yeah. They had, they had right. talent at every position. So did yeah. we. So it was so competitive. It was, it, was, it was a wild night. I'm glad you brought that up, actually, Jay, because I was just about to, you know, bring it up. You know, you were so dominant, then you get into, Mich- you know, Ohio State, Michigan. It's one versus two, all the hype surrounding yeah. about that game. And it was just an instant classic. Like, what are, you know, you said, you talked about the physicality. What are some of the other things that really stand out for you in that game? Oh, man, so much. So there was a lot of underlying, like, storylines happening in that day. Um, Bo Schembechler had just passed away, um, mm-hmm. I think, like, the night before. He's a legendary Michigan coach. When I... Yes, I took a recruiting visit to Michigan. And when, <laughs> when I, I know. Listen, what? <laughs> my mother encouraged me to, actually. OSU grad. She was in school with Archie. And she goes, no, 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 take a visit to Michigan. I think she wanted me to see what I never wanted to be. So <laughs> There you go. Right? So we get to Michigan, and it's Bo Schembechler that walked me around the entire day. And he was what? amazing. The nicest guy, the sweetest wow. man, like, if it was just him, I might have been swayed. But then I met Lloyd Carr, and he gave me the dead fish handshake, and I was like, nah, 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 I can't do it. <laughs> so 
No, Lloyd does not dead fish a handshake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was the, it was, oh. man, that was, that was a bad handshake. It was off. Oh, Lloyd. It was very off putting. So, anywho, um, you know, Bo had passed away night before the game or the day before, something like that. I remember feeling some kind of way because I was like, man, I really like that guy. Like, he was really nice to me. Um, yeah. There was so much hype surrounding the game. We knew the winners going to the national championship, like, flat out. That's all we were thinking about. And then, it's senior night. You're, you know, your folks are out there. They hand you the rose. Everyone's in tears. It's, it's so many emotions. Um, the sidelines were insane. Like LeBron James was standing on the sideline next to like Eddie George and Orlando Pace and all these guys. I'm like, you know, getting starstruck as I'm coming out, you know, uh, of the tunnel. And I'm like, man, everyone's really watching this. Like there's no other games on right now. It felt like everyone was watching us. So that was a really cool feeling. It actually took us about – into the second or into the first quarter to, to, to calm down because we, we didn't come out looking great. I didn't feel like because we were all so wound up. It was it was a lot happening, man. Well, it's funny you say that because it I remember that game. It was crazy. It was it was mm-hmm. Michigan takes that seven nothing lead. Yeah. But then you guys storm back, you tie it, and then you never trailed the rest of the game. But it, it like doesn't feel like one of those games that you never trailed right. the rest I of the mean, game. It felt like it, it was, was like, back and forth you would kind of run away and take like a 10 point lead and here comes Michigan. And then you guys would like take another lead and then Michigan would come back. Like you just were trying to run away from them and they just kept coming at you. It was truly the, if they ever rank every, whether it's college or at the NFL, if they ever rank the greatest football games ever played, that one is on the list. It's it is be up there, man. I, 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 uh, they were so well coached. You want to, I mean, I, I can't give them enough credit. They were so well coached. Their guys played so tough. Like they had that little running back heart and, and, and he wasn't you oh, know, God. the biggest guy, but he ran hard. He blocked hard. I remember, you know, they did a play action play. They faked the handoff to him. I'm thinking I'm going to go crush Chad Henney's head in. And he pump fakes me, and I jump to, to knock the ball down. And Mike Hart just puts his helmet right into my crotch. And, oh. and, and oh. I mean, you talk about catching, like, the sack flush, like, right underneath. Oh, my yeah. God. I thought I was going to play football that day right there on the field. I thought they were going to cart me off. I felt like I was paralyzed. It was bad. Um, and I had to, like, fight through that because they were on a drive. And I'm like limping and everyone's like, did you tear something? I'm like, no, nah, I got hit in the nuts. I mean, I'm in like in amazing pain right now. And it was just <laughs> yeah. so much happening that like was, um, it, it, it was almost overwhelming, dude. Like it, to be out there, it was overwhelming. It was a lot happening. And every, like the crowd noise never went down. It was like a constant yell, like a roar for three hours. It was unbelievable. What'd you take from that game? Well, Jay Richardson. And probably doesn't really remember any of it because he got his nuts smashed in by Michael Hart's yeah. helmet. Someone told me I got a sack in the fourth quarter on the third down, and I was like, I did? Like, good, good. I, I'm sure that <laughs> I couldn't picture it. Like, I was – but that was one of the all-time greatest games. Now, if I could have some ice for my nuts, please. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> if I could have some ice for my nuts, please. I, I thought I was going to – I thought I had got, you know – testicular cancer or something like I was I was in that situation man that was tough can a helmet do that to you I don't Maybe. know Felt like it could all right so before we wrap up with you Jay we just want to get your your take a little bit on this year's Buckeyes they played their first game this last weekend uh they, they drubbed Nebraska although there are areas of improvement for the Buckeyes for sure uh the game was a little closer than the final score might indicate it kind of got away towards the end um but I mean, listen, you look around this Buckeyes team, Justin Fields, 
one incompletion in the game, right? <laughs> 20 of 21. Are you kidding me? Uh, those wide receivers, yeah. Garrett Wilson yeah. and, and Chris Olave, I don't know anybody that's going to stop those two. No, no, I think no, there's one-on-one. And, and here's the thing with our wide receivers. You can't really scheme them because we've got a fantastic tight end. And we also have like amazing guys waiting in the wings to get on. So like, right. you know, that, that catch by Jackson Smith, I, I can't even pronounce his last name. But I just, yeah. I, I call him yeah. Because what he did, <laughs> his one foot in bounds was like, the guy's like a ninja. Like, I don't know how he did that, but we have so much talent on the perimeter. Um, Justin Fields, if he can, if he can play the way he played last week for eight weeks in a row, he's not only going to win a Heisman Trophy, but he's going to possibly make teams think about drafting him over Trevor Lawrence for one reason, or a couple reasons, but one specific reason because of the way the NFL is trending right now. Like he's like a souped-up, more athletic Dak Prescott. And Dak Prescott's pretty damn yeah. good considering he's been out a week and still leads the league, I think, in, in passing yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So that was pretty damn good. Cowboys should have paid him, but whatever. Fields has a similar kind of knack for – he's super patient. He doesn't get enough credit for that. He's yeah. – obviously, he's athletic and all that stuff. He's tough, man. Like, he can, he can get the tough yards when he needs to. But what he has is I, – I didn't think he had it last year, but now I'm convinced he does. He's a legitimate arm talent. He throws oh, yeah. a fantastic deep ball. He throws a fantastic intermediate ball. He's looked way more accurate than he had last season. There were certain passes I was looking for him to make. You know, that deep pass, uh, that, that deep out, uh, a deep hitch, um, you know, nice touch on that deep over that went to Garrett Wilson across the middle of the field for the touchdown. Oh, yeah. Oh, stride. yeah. That's not an easy throw to make when you're throwing it from the well. It wasn't like they moved the pocket so he could get some space. He made that throw from the pocket, and it, and it yeah. works perfectly. Like, he made it drop right into the bucket. That's not something uh, – that's an elite-level quarterback, you know, skill set. And I yeah. didn't realize he had that. I, I, I thought they got an athletic kid from Georgia who can, can throw the ball a little bit, but we'll see. In this offense, he should look good. No, that was him. Like, he's that good. So, I, I came away from this week with a couple takeaways. Like, one – Justin Fields is the real fucking deal, like flat out. Yeah. He's going to be yeah. the second pick in the draft, barring injury. Um, he looked faster. And then I also came away with, man, our defense is now the opposite of what it was before, in a sense. We were so dominant on the edges with Chase. Yes. And, and you know, insert any other defensive end, you know, whether it be um, Cooper or, or, or whether it be, you know, even Zach ro- rotating in, but whatever. But we had edge pressure, and then we had two amazing corners. Right, first round corners, and so yes. we were built outside in. Now we're built inside out. You know, our our edge pressure didn't look great. Our edge coverage really no. didn't look great. But in the middle, yeah. you know, Haskell Garrett and and Tommy Tungai. I mean, those two, <laughs> <laughs> those two big boys in the middle were kicking ass. And Garrett, you know, uh, 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 Haskell Haskell. Damn, why can I not say his name properly? So I, there's a lot of Haskins yeah. that have played for Ohio State. <laughs> I, I call him 50 Cent because he got shot in the face and he still played. He got a mixtape coming out soon. But <laughs> Beautiful. All right. He went out there and he was kicking the hell out of people one-on-one in pass rush, and he looked good, you know, in those zone schemes. So I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay, we're going to have to get better in coverage, a lot better on our perimeter coverage. We're also going to have to figure out how to mix up our scheme to, to disguise – 
uh, some of our liabilities and our coverage just because these are these are new faces, not because they're not good, because you saw what right. Seven Banks could do once the ball got in his hands. Like we yes. got talent, they just have to get a little experience, and it, we have to protect them until they're comfortable. That's all. That's well, not. The and we talked about it. We talked about it a little bit with the Browns last week. Yeah. But people always talk about uh, having to get an offensive, like an offensive scheme, and the players need time to fit into an offensive sure. scheme and. Like, nobody ever talks about that with defense, but it's the same thing. You need to gel in an offensive scheme. You need to know where you need to – you need to trust that the person behind you is going to be where they need to be in the yeah. offensive scheme, and and it takes time to gel. So it didn't surprise me that the defense didn't look, like, completely dominant against uh, against Nebraska. Here's something that no one's talking about, too, to your point. Um, every offense – and that's, this is not just a college football thing. This is also in, in the NFL. Because of the new COVID protocols, because there's no crowd noise, because there's no sideline distractions, because it's so quiet in the building, that benefits every offense. If you, do, if you look at the oh, yeah. across the board, offenses look great right now. Yeah. Defenses are struggling because defense, if you ever go into an offensive meeting room, it's really quiet. I mean, they're, it's like they're quiet. They're very analytical. They're all scheme. They're all get to your spots. Everyone's cerebral. If you ever go into a defensive meeting room, it's like going to the zoo, man. These guys are nuts. Everyone's wired like, <laughs> like they're all psychos. They're all in motion. They're all kill, kill, kill. When you take the crowd out of it and you take a lot of that emotion out of it, you take a lot of that distractions out of it, the offenses right now are locking in, and it's really easy. If you're an offensive lineman, notice there weren't tons of offsides calls, you know, all season long because there's no crowd noise. These guys are just sitting back. It's all nice and easy for them. It's like seven on seven. I mean, they're just chilling. Defenses are, are, are under a lot of pressure, and that's in all football right now without a crowd. They, they rely on that energy. So it takes a little bit to get going. So you kind of have to expect that. Second and seven, what's your defensive set? I hit the quarterback so hard his girlfriend dies. <laughs> remember, that? remember that movie, the program? I guess. My- <laughs> yeah. Right, so that transitions us into the to the final thing, which is the upcoming game. Has there ever been a season to play Penn State at home at night where it's better for an opponent than this season? Because there aren't going to be a hundred thousand screaming crazy whiteout fans at Penn State, but. Of course, Ohio State gets to pull Penn State after just a crushing loss. Of one of the a tremendous game against yeah. Indiana. That team played great. It's going uh, to be an angry Penn State team coming in. <laughs> coming it's into that be game, an angry Penn State game. So, how are you feeling? What do you know about Penn State, and, and how are you feeling this matchup? What's, what's this looking like for you? So, I assume whether it be you know live or via Sports Center, we all saw the ending to that Indiana Penn State. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And awesome probably thinking, did that did that kid from Penn State really get in? Like, did that ball cross the plane? It's questionable. Oh, I'm sorry, from IU really get in? Like, did that yeah. ball? I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, that's a tough way to lose a football game. I'm pissed at Indiana because they kind of took our glory. I would have liked to have a top ten victory on our on our on our you know resume. I wanted to beat Penn State when they were number eight, so that we could you know. Add that to the resume. Now they're at what is sure. eighteen, something like that. So something yeah. down there. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's that that's too bad. IU kind of took our glory there. Penn State's a good football team. They they're always going to play good at home. Um, you know, Coach Franklin, he's made questionable calls in the past, but he, he's not a bad coach. You know, this kid Clifford threw a couple picks in the game. Their quarterback, um, he can he has the potential to make big mistakes. I feel like this is a chance for our defensive backs. Like our no-name, our youngster guys who are trying to make a name for themselves, like this is the game you make a name for yourself. You're going to be able to go out there and execute against a team that, you know, uh, is reeling. 
kind of got knocked off of their uh, off of their spot to be thinking in their heads we're really good and we're going to go beat up on Indiana and to get your ass kicked by Indiana um, right. and to lose your ranking that's tough that that right. psychologically for a team you're going to go one of two ways you're going to tank because you're not who you thought you were or you're going to rally right. and it's hard to rally when you got the Buckeyes coming in the fall, the fall. <laughs> that's right right like that's when out with that home crowd behind you <laughs> right. so so yeah. I think we're looking at for them this is going to be kind of a a pivotal moment in their season where once we destroy them, they're going to tank. It's going to get bad for them. And it's not because they're not good. It's because they had two bad things happen in a row. You know, they, they, they screwed up a bad game uh, and then Ohio State showed up. So I think for Ohio State, it's going to be offensively, man. Don't let our lack of like a hundred yard rusher fool you. I, this run game is going to get going. Justin Fields led, in, you know, the whole team in rushing with I think like 60 yards, something like that. But that's a byproduct of the kind of offense we ran. Yep. And it's also a byproduct of the fact that we had, like, running back by committee. We had about three or four guys go over 40 yards. Yeah, I was so, going to say. They yeah. all looked good. You know, they all looked pretty good. Our offensive line, it takes time to get – we have a, a few new faces along the offensive line. For our offensive line, it takes about till game three where you see guys get cohesive, start moving together, and you see, you know, the line of scrimmage start start to, to, to look like we're dominating. We didn't dominate the line of scrimmage last week, and I know they're going to be upset about that. These guys are getting yelled at after that game. Everyone's like, yeah, we won. It was a big – no, 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 no. They're getting chewed out. You know, those coaches are looking at that offensive line and going, you guys got to get a better better push. Like, it can't look like this. They're looking at that defensive line and going, you guys got to get a better push. So I want to see better play in the trenches uh, on both sides of the ball for us. I think we're going to see that, and we're going to see kind of uh, the unleashing of some of our more athletic skill set guys on offense and defense – we played it kind of vanilla because of starting off, you don't want to give everything up. Plus, you got to see what you got. You're going to see the biggest, uh, uh, you know, strides made from week one to week two. We all know that. So it's about to happen. And I think you're going to see um, a, a very inspired football team. Now, is that typical? Now, I guess that's my last question. Is that typical of like this sort of like you're going to see what you have in like week one, week two in the season? Is that typical of a college football uh, uh season i guess like especially one where there's no foot no 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 like full camp no like full yeah. you know, you know, like no scrimmages no nothing or how much is it how much is it how much is it of this like sort of development has to do with kind of this weird season yeah, like would it be fantastic. would it would, would you would you know what you have with a full camp that's a fantastic point chad like you got to realize these guys <laughs> like some of these freshmen haven't really got any reps man like it's all yeah. spring all summer they weren't allowed to interact really they weren't allowed to do much they yeah. were they were on zoom calls trying to walk through with their cell phone out in the grass with their coaching staff. I mean, stuff like that. So they haven't had a whole yeah. lot of time together. And when you don't have warm-up games, like there was no Miami of Ohio's or no Akron's to beat up on. Like, nah. Right. You're getting right into the Big Ten, like yeah. ice cold, basically, with no crowd. You're just trying to figure it out. So you yeah. saw a lot of mistakes. You saw a few coverage busts last week. You saw some, you know, some, some, some screw-ups. And that's from guys not communicating regularly, from, you know, from not being cohesive yet. That's, that's, you expect that. That's why you're going to see a huge change this coming week. I think Penn State's in a lot of trouble because you're getting an Ohio State team that knows, even if you look at that scoreboard, they know we're way better than what we just showed. We, you know, yeah. they, they made that, they made Christian McCaffrey's little brother look like Christian McCaffrey for points in that game. <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. when he was running his ass off. And then, um, you know, the quarterback from Nebraska, dude, he was looking like Lamar Jackson at that different points in the game. That yeah. can't happen. I don't think that happens again. I think they tighten things up. I think now we understand 
who's going to show up. Now we understand a little bit better what we have. And the kids are starting to loosen up because I, you're always going to play tight first game out. Everyone's tight. We're all, you know, your asshole's like that tight. You're trying to figure it. You don't want to screw up. <laughs> and you don't want to mess it up. When you are allowed the chance to make mistakes, that's when you start to really thrive because you know I'm not on a short rope. They're not going to pull me. I, I, I can go out there and kind of sell out and do some things and make some things happen and take some chances. So once that starts happening, guys get comfortable, you'll see it's going to be a different game this week. All right, man. Well, hey, listen, uh, former Ohio State defensive lineman, former NFL player, uh, uh, current TV analyst yeah. and owner of Kevin Durant burner accounts everywhere. Uh, Jay Richardson, man, <laughs> thank you so much. It was awesome. Enjoy the rest of that tequila. And we really, really appreciate your time. Fellas, Mike, Joe, Chad, thanks for having me, man. Uh, make sure everybody tune in in the central Ohio area hour before the game. We're going to be on live uh, ABC Fox right here in Columbus. We're going to be telling you everything that's going to happen. I'm going to pull out the old crystal ball and tell you everything that's going to happen before the game. And uh, Ooh, I like fun. it. We'll be post game like right after it. the game. We'll be back on to talk about what happened and to to really dissect the ass beating we gave them. So <laughs> I appreciate it. awesome, Jay. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, appreciate Jay. It. Right. And that was former Ohio State Buckeye Jay Richardson joining us here on the Garage Beers podcast. Again, you want to go You want to go look at what Jay Richardson's doing to poor Kevin Durant and his burner accounts on Twitter? You can find him at JayRichardson99 on Twitter. Uh, but uh, great time with him. Great time talking about the Buckeyes. And, uh, and again, if you're in the central Ohio area or if you can catch some of his broadcasts, he's breaking down uh, Ohio State football every week. Uh, for the ABC affiliate down there, so you can catch that as well. But uh, now it's time to move away from the Buckeyes for a little bit, the 1-0 Ohio State Buckeyes, and it's time to get in to your 5-2 and two Cleveland Browns. Boys. Yeah. <laughs> a, an absolute incredible finish by oh, the Cleveland yeah. Browns. The Bengals based on one of the plays of the year for the Browns was when Andrew Sandejo missed a tackle and allowed the Bengals to score. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing when he missed that tackle. Oh, oh, oh you think he, he, knew what he was doing when he missed that tackle? <laughs> of course. He's such a brilliant, brilliant. Well, he, he did know he was going he to miss know. that tackle. Yeah. Well, tackle. He knew he was it's missing not, the tackle for sure. That's true. I mean, that's true. It's okay, literal touche. insanity. If he thinks that he's just so many tackles, he's like, Oh, this is the one I'm going to get. Like that. No, we know uh, you know, you're not going to get that once a day. <laughs> He got he, he 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 got up from it and he was like meant to do that <laughs> meant to do that scored idiot <laughs> yeah so, dummy you, you left us so much think time actually, left. you think he like he like carries the equipment for everybody like he's just there because there's so many injuries in the safety position yeah, and, and they was cashing checks and laughing at stupid idiots like oh, us yeah yeah like, probably hey, he's just <laughs> laughing his ass off at us what hey do you man but Sandeo misses that tackle. The Bengals score to take a three-point lead. They give the ball back to Baker Mayfield with just over a minute on the clock. And, guys, for the first time, for the first time, I'm trying to think back to other times that I remember this, and I just straight up don't, outside of, like, early Tim Couch when we were flinging Hail Marys and people were catching them. Like, but that pure luck. For the first time that I can remember, the Cleveland Browns string together – the most beautiful drive mm-hmm. to march down the field 
yeah. a, a fantastic play by Baker Mayfield as he's got a Bengals defender on his ankles to get the ball to Donovan Peoples-Jones for a first down. Right. And he, he throws a BB to Rashard Higgins down the sideline. Higgins goes up and makes a, an incredible catch to get the team in field, uh, in field goal position. And I thought, all right, cool, field goal position. We're good. And on the next play, from a clean pocket, Baker stands in the pocket and delivers an absolute strike to the outside uh, for Donovan Peoples-Jones in the end zone. And with 11 seconds left, I didn't even know what I was watching. I had watched so many teams do that. How many times have you watched like Tom Brady with the Patriots and they get the ball back with like a minute 30 and you're like, this shit's over because Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. Peyton Manning used to do it all the time. Aaron Rodgers does it all the time. (sighs) Russell Wilson now does it all the time. We got to see it with the got. We got to see it with the Browns. Yeah, they did it. They did it. And I, I said this before Steelers week. I said, I said Baker and the Browns need to find ways to win that aren't winning the whole game, which they really haven't yeah. had that much of a challenge the entire season, except for honestly maybe the Cincinnati game at points, uh, the first one. Um, but before that Steelers game, like they haven't won anything. Sp- in a spectacular fashion. Um, And I think as a development for Baker, as a quarterback, like he just needs those experiences um, to grow uh, and to maybe become that fourth quarter guy that we need in the future. And so obviously we didn't have that opportunity with the Steelers game. There wasn't really ever an opportunity during that game, Um, but that's just one loss. And you come back the next week and I don't give a shit if it's the Bengals. uh, It's, a team that has a phenomenal offense that you have to be at your best offensively if you're going to win that game because the Bengals are a very good um, team that just hasn't won a lot of games. Um, and they put up a lot of points, and you have to be able to reciprocate that if you're going to be competitive with them. And the fact that Baker got his opportunity with, with a minute 30 left uh, in the fourth quarter, and they put together a phenomenal two-minute drive um, that's that's going to be huge for the growth of this team going forward. Yeah, I mean, stop it with the just stop it with the like the oh, it's just the Bengals, just the Bengals. Stop with that shit, please, for the love of God. I mean, like I don't know, most of Browns fans are Ohio State fans too. Do you guys discredit them when uh, when they when they I don't know beat the hell out of Miami of Ohio, <laughs> or or they beat the hell out of Bowling Green? No, you don't. You know, you're happy they won. You you, you and. And, and I don't know, they're a good team, just like the Browns are. They're a good team, okay? I don't care if it's the Bengals. You know, in years past, in years past, guys, the Browns have found 11 billion ways to lose a game that they're supposed to win. Okay? Like a and this field was, goal return for a touchdown. Yeah, and this was a game, and this was a game they were supposed to win, and look at what they did. They, 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 they won it, and they won it in spectacular fashion, having not played their best game. That's amazing, guys. Again, you've you got, we have, you're right, Chad. We have to stop doing this. We have <laughs> to stop doing this. But yeah, but look who we beat. Again, how many times during the last 20 years of misery, absolute <laughs> atrocious misery here in Cleveland, did we beat good teams? A bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Colt yeah. McCoy and company beat the Patriots. Do you think the Patriots were like, well – that's it for our season. No, they were like, well, shit, that sucked. Let's move on to the next week. Exactly. Or, or how many times, how many times 
to put it the other way, I'll bring up the game I just referenced. Were the Browns pretty much shit, uh, but they were hanging in games. And they were just – they were making life miserable for opponents. That Ravens game where the Browns and Ravens were tied and the Browns were kicking a field goal to win that game and the Ravens <laughs> blocked it and returned it for a touchdown to win. Do you think the yeah. Raven fans afterwards were like, ugh, but it was the Browns? No, they were like, yes, win. We won. <laughs> Stop. This is the NFL. This for I don't even – yes, maybe Ohio State fans, yes, I do that. Okay, whatever. They beat Akron. I don't give a shit. Because the disparity between Ohio State and Akron is so incredibly great. It like it, There's nothing in the NFL that even comes within – a hundred times that disparity sure. between Ohio State and Akron. The, sure. the, the, the fact of the matter is there are 30-plus NFL teams. Well, how many are there, 32? Yeah, 32 NFL 32. teams. And they are all made up of NFL-caliber players who were the best players from their schools that came out to form these NFL teams. They're all the best players on the planet, whether it's the Bengals or whether it's the Jaguars or whoever it is, they are all the best players on the planet. So when you take a group of the best players on the planet and then your group of the best players on the planet beats that group of the best players on the planet, it's a good win, no matter who it is. (laughs) Yeah, this isn't high school, okay? Like you're not going to – like you can't kick the ball off – against the bad like against, against the bad teams like you do in high school and know you're going to win 45 to nothing like you still have to play well enough to win the game <laughs> you still have to play well enough and, and uh, yeah i i just i'll never get it but I, I don't know. And and the thing is if you're happy for the people who are happy that the browns are at 5 and 2 if no one is saying this team is a super bowl contender you know, no. or anything, but you know, maybe a playoff team. Sure. They're a good football team. No, no one who is happy about being five and two, I, I think will, will think that this team is perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But if you can't be happy that the Browns are winning games, what is, I don't know. Well, you're fucked. The, you're fucked. Something's back, wrong with you. <laughs> step back for a minute. We got nine games left. They're five and two. They played seven yeah. games. We got the Raiders this week. You got the bye. There are not. And then eight games after that. Right. Again, we talked about this last week with Emmett Golden. If the Browns go 500, well, right mm-hmm. now at this point, let's say the Browns go five and four the rest of the season. Right. You've won 10 games. Yeah. If yeah. you go five and four the rest of the season, you've won 10 games. Right. But that also means we got to stop treating every loss like it's the worst loss that ever was. <laughs> I know they got beat bad, whatever. But that right. also means if you go five and four the rest of the year, you still win 10 games, but you're going to lose another four games. That's another four. That's You still got the Steelers left. You still got the Ravens left. You still got the Tennessee Titans on the schedule. You still got the, the, the Raiders might be the next best team on the schedule as far as how they're playing right now. Right. I mean, Eagles, like, right. what'd you say? I said the Eagles. Yeah, well. <laughs> I think, no, I think it's a nightmare matchup for us. No, it is not. Yeah. It, shut shut up, Joe. They almost shut lost up. to the Giants. <laughs> I think I think their defense is a big mismatch for our offense. But we can get to that during Eagles Week. Yeah, we will. There's we'll like two teams. There's two teams right now that in the NFL that have more wins than the Browns. The Steelers and the Chiefs. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's it. Guy, 
Uh, it, it's 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 like we've kind of forgotten the ride that we were on. Yeah. Which is like, you know, like the demon drop at Cedar Point. It's like the never fucking ending demon drop. <laughs> you just keep dropping. It's like the demon drop, 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 drop. You just drop it forever into the right. darkness. That's what we were on. We were right. in the darkness forever. Right. If, to think that you're going to, no matter what, to think that even though you've got excellent talent on the team and a, and a really good new coaching staff who has been incredible, by the way. Uh, yeah. To think that you're just going to go from the depths of hell, basically, where the Browns were, to like, we got to be a Super Bowl contender this year. Probably not going to happen. You no. got to learn how to win. You got to learn how to, how to be a cohesive team. And there's still plenty of holes on this team. But like, can we not, can we stop acting as a Browns fan base, guys? Can we stop acting like, a playoff victory wouldn't be amazing or not a playoff victory, a playoff appearance. Yeah. Let's say the Browns make yeah. the playoffs and they got to go up against the Titans week one and they lose week one of the playoffs. Guess what? That was awesome. Right. Right. I, did I it. think, I, I think and we have something bl- to build on. I think people are blinded by a, the, the, the two decades of losing and they just want the Browns to be great right now. And uh, as well, combined with like, the, the the like one or two year turnarounds that some of these teams have made in some of the years. I think people are blinded by that. No, it's going to take time. I, I think what, if, if you want to look for stuff with, if you want to look for like anything to give you hope, I guess in the, for the future, I, which again, we're five and two, I don't know why you wouldn't be happy, but it, it's going to, it's, it's, the, it's the tiny leaps that you have to look for that really give you guys give Browns fans a sign, but at least the ones who aren't happy being five, five and two a sign that this is, this team is young and growing. Like, like I said, like I mentioned, we would have found 11 billion ways in years past to lose that Bengals game, especially after they scored that, you know, when they scored that go ahead touchdown, we would have found so many different ways. Like we would have, like we would have driven to like the Bengals 15 yard line and it would have stalled there because of like, I don't know, four penalties and then, and then I don't know, five, whatever, whatever, five sacks. <laughs> and we, we, or, 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 I don't know, like go back to the Dallas game, like an interception by Denzel Ward to seal the game, <laughs> just to seal that, to seal that victory. That, that doesn't happen in, in the years in Browns past. So it's, it's really the tiny leaps that you're looking forward to. Like, look, like, uh, but no one is saying this team is perfect. Like I said, you know, the defense right now, it, yeah, it's atrocious, but you know what? It is what it is. It's, we're just going to have to ride it out until, until th- this off season when Barry can, can, can concentrate on it and fix it. Not, there isn't going to be one magical trade that's going to fix this defense. Uh, you know, so like, again, there, so there's one improvement that needs to be made, but just enjoy the ride. I, I mean, I know, I know it's cliche to say, but enjoy the ride because we've been so bad for so long. And listen, you, you, you've, you've swept a division opponent, which is never easy to do, even if your division opponent is bad. You've swept the Bengals. You are 5-2, and two, and, it's, and, it's on, and it's on to the next week. And listen, uh, um, the other big piece of news this week that we got to touch on with the Browns, obviously, is the horrible injury to Odell Beckham, a torn ACL. Uh, he's out for the year. We're not going to see OBJ again in a Browns uniform uh, mm-hmm. this year. Um, here's the other thing I don't like. There's a lot of people that are going, I know they're better off without him. No, (laughs) they're not. 
<laughs> what are you talking about? I listen, they might play well. They might keep getting better. They're not better off without Odell Beckham. You are stupid if you think that. That guy is one of the best playmakers in football. Did you not yeah. watch what that guy did almost single-handedly against the Cowboys? <laughs> like right. this dude is one of the best playmakers in the entire game. Your offense is not better without him. And and listen, here's the thing. If they play better, it's not because Odell Beckham isn't out there. If they play better, it's that they're getting better. It's that Baker is getting better. It's that Nick Chubb is coming back soon. It's that you've got tremendous tight ends. It's that your cohesion in a new system continues to get better. It has, let me say it as clear as I can say this for the people out there that are saying the Browns are better without Odo Beckham. It has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that Odell Beckham isn't out there if they keep playing better. It, it has is everything bad. to do with Baker. It is bad that Odell yeah. Beckham isn't out there. It sucks that Odell Beckham isn't out there. It does not help the team one bit if Odell Beckham isn't out there. So for all that, all that, uh, it, it, it's absolutely incredible to me, the people that, I understand that Odell Beckham hasn't been Mr. 10 catches, 150 yards, every game guy, but every defense schemes around Odell Beckham. Mm -hmm. Every defense schemes around that guy. And now they don't have to. So now the Browns got to be better. Right. And maybe they will, but if they are again, it isn't because of him. It isn't because he's not out there. It's because they're just getting better as a group. I saw an interesting perspective from Dan Orlovsky that, you know, it, it kind of, it made sense to me. Uh, you know, he said, you know, he says when Odell is out there, you know, it, it feels like Baker, he gets the play call in and his first, his first, his, his first like progression, his first read is, okay, where can I get the ball? Where can I get the ball to Odell? Where am I going to throw this ball to Odell? But when Odell is not in there, he gets the play call in. And it, it kind of like that mental that mental block that he has just kind of goes away because he tends to go through his progressions more. He reads the defense more, and he he kind of he just throws the ball to the guy who's open. But he just he just feels like that in his head that he has to get the ball to Odell. Like apparently, like that go route that he went on, he went through that go route that uh, you know Odell injured his knee on. He said, you know, Jarvis Landry was wide open on a curl route, but uh, Baker was so fixated on the play call. Um, on the play call that, that, you know, where is he going to, where's Odell going to be? And I have to throw it to him instead of, you know, concentrating on pre-snap and post-snap reads that, you know, so I, I, you know, so, and I kind of agree with that a little bit, Um, you know, I mean, we'll see how it, how it is going forward, but it's like, it's almost like that pressure goes away. I agree with you. I agree with that. It, do I think that that is happening? Yes. Yeah. Here's the thing. Is that Odell Beckham's fault? No, no, that is a Baker. That's what I was getting to. That's a Baker. I don't even know if it's a Baker fault. Uh, I just don't think either Freddie or Kevin Stefanski game plans OBJ. Well, I don't think either head coach does a good job game planning for OBJ because every, almost every pass to him is a very highly contested pass. Like aside from OBJ's Dallas game, he's never really had just like a good, game where he's just torn apart a defense 
Um, and I just I just don't think that either coach has been able to game plan. They've tried a game plan to get him the ball, but I don't think they've successfully created a game plan that makes OBJ uh, really shine aside from the Dallas game. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Joe. And I think I think a good way to think about maybe the best way to use OBJ, because I agree with you. They tend to throw a lot. It's like OBJ, when he's involved, has to be deep routes, has to be down the field, has to be. And I think, no offense to Jarvis Landry, I think Jarvis Landry is just, Jarvis Landry might be my favorite Brown that's been on the team in years. He's like he's a the warrior. toughest. He's a warrior. He gives a shit. And then he's smart. How about that play on their last drive where Harrison Bryant needed to be on the line of scrimmage and Jarvis, he, so Harrison Bryant lined up off the line of scrimmage. He needed yeah. to be up on the line of scrimmage. He lined up off the line of scrimmage and Jarvis Landry told Baker, he, you could see him saying, don't snap the ball. And he was screaming at Harrison Bryant to get up on the line of scrimmage. He knew right. what the formation needed to look like for that yeah. ball to be snapped legally. And like, Jarvis Landry might be one of my favorite players that's ever played for the Browns. So I don't mean this in a bad way. The Browns, I feel like they should use Odell just like they use Jarvis. Sure. Just like they use Jarvis. Jarvis is like an intermediate route guy. He'll catch some short passes. He'll catch the occasional long pass. But for the most part, he's very much an intermediate route guy. Not a knock on Jarvis, but Odell, use him like that. But he'll sure. he'll end up scoring touchdowns in those situations. He'll end oh. up catching intermediate passes and bolting down the sideline for touchdowns. Well, if they start, yeah. even if they started doing that uh, intermediate stuff, that would open things up over the top because you know if if I mean it's kind of like if you hit someone with a run game five, six, seven times in a row and then play action and take a shot. You know if you <laughs> if you um, yeah if you start them like that that's going to get defenses sneaking up to the intermediate route. So yeah, I mean, I would agree with that scheme. Totally. It's, it's almost a personnel issue for the Browns because <laughs> I feel like they need like a true slot receiver. Like we used to have a Travis Benjamin back in the day, or like maybe like a Brandon cook type wow. person that can go very fast, very far down the field. But because of that, they open up those intermediate passes for Jarvis and Odell. I don't think we have that right now. I don't, I don't know a ton about, uh, Donovan People Jones and his ability to be that slot receiver, but I, I feel like that would be maybe a solution to our scheme problems with Odell. He's kind of a wild card for me. Yeah, I mean he has he he's big, he has a lot of size, he has speed, but I don't know. He just didn't have very good quarterback play at Michigan, but uh, he he, he has everything else. Like he, he has a, he his like he has a lot of raw talent. His measurables and stuff coming out of college were the best. He had the best spark score coming out, <laughs> like over yeah. Judy and Ruggs and all those guys. Right. Obviously, yeah. there's That's a reason. Say. It seems like the, he has a lot of raw talent. He, he's a reason he went in the sixth round, so he might be a little more developmental. But you saw it in that game. He made a couple big-time catches all throughout the game that they needed. So, right. listen, add, add that to all of a sudden the Browns are this team that I have just – longed for for years the Browns are this team that you're going to have your big playmakers make plays but the best teams in the NFL are the ones that get these other guys that just consistently make plays right like the Patriots of years past forever 
But that's what they did forever. The Patriots for a long yeah. time didn't even have big name guys. Right, right. They didn't have big name guys. You'd just be like, oh, that guy just caught 17 touchdowns this season. You're like, I don't even know who that is. But that's right. what they did. They, people would go play there and get better. And now you're watching these guys like Harrison Bryant looks like. Well, everything he was Gronkowski. <laughs> and, and you got Donovan Peoples-Jones making plays. And you got Dearness Johnson making plays. And you got random. And you've got these other guys that maybe weren't so good in other places. That's the other thing that's my favorite. Wyatt Teller. When we acquired Wyatt Teller, everybody was like, oh, whoop de doo He wasn't even all that good with the Bills, which he wasn't here. He's been one of the best offensive linemen when he's healthy in football. Like, I just bought his jersey. <laughs> yes, you did. You've been mauling yeah. defensive linemen all over this, the mean streets of Menor. Yeah, pretty much. I've just been walking up and down like, whew, I, I, I was at the mall the other day and uh, four to five people were pancaked. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, I just think it's been fun. I think we need to, I think, again, people need to understand this team right now sits at five and two. It is not going to finish at 14 and two. No, no. It ain't going to no. finish that way. No. There are going to be more losses. In order for this team to win 10 games this year, they're going to lose another four, which, right. which also means looking at the schedule, you're going to probably lose a game that you think you should win. Right, right. So it's going to happen. It is what it is. Here's the thing, though. We got the Las Vegas Raiders coming to town before the bye week. So one more game till the bye week. And then things get crazy because I think that's when the Browns get as healthy as they've been all season. Uh, You'll probably get Nick Chubb back. You'll get Wyatt Teller back. Uh, You're going to get some players back after that bye week. Yeah, your secondary is probably going to get a little healthier. But you got the Raiders coming in. Every week we are one week closer to Nick Chubb. (laughs) Offensively. First of all, defensively, the Raiders are trash. Yeah. Like uh-huh. like, like almost Cowboys-level trash. So yeah. Scoring yeah. points against the Raiders, they have no defensive line. Their defensive line is atrocious. The Browns should run the football down their throat all day. Their defensive backs, garbage. The Browns mm-hmm. should be able to find between the run and the pass and the play action – this should not be uh, for a team like the Browns that in more weeks than not this year that have scored 30 points per week, this should be another one of those weeks. Offensively, yeah. the Raiders are decent. And the Raiders are good on big plays. Here's the funny thing. When you look at the Raiders' stats, it's not great. It's not great. Right. Derek Carr's averaging almost 300 yards a game. So that's pretty right. good. Uh, but rushing the ball, like Josh, ja- uh, Josh Jacobs – is averaging like 50 yards a game. Right. Uh, Darren Waller is averaging like 50 yards a game receiving. Um, right. So, you know. Henry they, Ruggs they, is averaging like two catches and like 120 yards a game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, but they're, well, to your point, they're a team that, let's see, Henry Ruggs, eight catches, 212 yards on the season. Yeah, so Dayo's uh, going to have a fun time missing those tackles. <laughs> well, he's not going he's, he's to be able to catch, he's, he's not gonna be able to catch up with them. <laughs> like, as long as he leaves us enough room, enough time to score a touchdown right. on the back end, it should be fine. Yeah, um, he's going he's gonna to miss a tackle, let him score with a minute left, be like, ah, suckers, I did that. 
The Raiders are three and three. I think, I think the whole perception of this game changed the minute the Raiders put a hurting on the Chiefs, mm-hmm. and everybody went, "Wait a minute!" But at the same time, this is a team that's lost three of the last four games. Uh, they lost to a bad New England team, and they got smoked. They lost to Buffalo. They lost to Tampa Bay. Good teams. Um, and the two teams, they beat Carolina and New Orleans, and then they did beat the Chiefs. Um, so it's been a good schedule for the Raiders, but it is um, – this is a game that's winnable on this Brown schedule. The Raiders are coming to Cleveland. So you're getting this game at home. Uh, I don't know. How are you guys feeling coming into this one? I think the biggest matchup that I'm looking at is is our secondary against Derek Carr because – I mean, I know his numbers aren't like outstanding, but for for Derek Carr, I mean, this is a career year. I, I mean, sure. you're yeah. looking you're looking at him. You know, 152 of 211, 1726 yards on a season, 13 touchdowns, only two interceptions. By you know, by week uh, eight of previous years, he would that number would be up to about seven to ten interceptions. Uh, QB rating of 112.8. So yeah, I mean, he's having he, he's. He, it, it, this is a year that he's kind of, you know, figuring it out. So it, we're going to have to pressure him. We're going to have to make him uncomfortable. And I think that's going to be the key to this game. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, I mean, you talked about the run game, you know, if it's going to be, we don't want to get into another shootout with him. Although like a shootout with them. Although, I mean, I don't know. Our, our defense doesn't exactly hold teams, <laughs> to, to 20 points. So, yeah, I think that's going to be the, the the interesting matchup to see is our secondary against this, uh, against uh, Derek Carr. You know, um, I think it's going to be very similar to the Cincinnati game we just played last week. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. But mm-hmm. if you look at the, the Raiders' wins are, like, uh, not that impressive aside from the Chiefs, kind of. I mean, that's a division rival that you see twice a year. You build your team. You build your team to beat your division rivals, especially someone like the Chiefs. Um, so I kind of think that maybe you know they had something planned that the Chiefs just weren't ready for. But uh, you know they beat the Panthers, who have been a good offensive team, but like pretty pretty okay overall. They beat a really beat up Saints team in Week Two, um, and then like you said, Mike. I mean they got smoked their other three games. So. Um, I think this is an incredibly winnable game. I think it's a very disappointing game if we lose. It's not going to be, you know, getting smoked by the Steelers and the Ravens, to me, have not been, like, the worst thing in the world Um, because those are two elite teams. Um, But this is is one of those games that you should win, like the Bengals game. I think it's going to be close Um, and high scoring, probably both teams close to the 30s. Um, But – you know, I, I think that's definitely a winnable game for us. Something so to monitor, too. To the I'm oh, looking no, forward I, I, to the Browns schedule. And here's mm-hmm. what I'm seeing. Because I'm going to maybe go out on a limb and say, this might be the game on the schedule that determines postseason. And again, it might not. But I, well, I might call it that. And here's why. You win this game, you go to 6-2. and two. You lose this game, you go to 5-3. and three. But when you look next at the upcoming schedule, you've got Houston. Let's not act like Houston doesn't still have a kick-ass offense with Deshaun Watson. and Like, those guys can play. Uh, so, 
that team can put up points. They're not playing well, but they're playing better since they got a, they got rid of stupid Bob down there. Uh, you got Philly. Again, Joe has some reservations about that Philly game. And I'm not going to say I don't. That's There's there's some talent on that Philly team. Uh, and if they put it together, that's a Philly team that can play. You should yeah. get wins against Jacksonville. You should get wins against both New York teams. Those teams are awful. You should get wins against those. But you also have Tennessee, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh on the schedule, the back half. So this Vegas game, if you can get this game and go to 6-2, and two, you know what? That allows you moving forward to say, you know what, if Houston or Philadelphia gets you, if they're one of those teams that you think, oh, we should beat Houston or Philly, but they come up and get you, because they both could, mm-hmm. okay, it doesn't make it as bad. Yeah. But if you lose this game against Vegas, you go to five and three. And let's say Houston then comes in, and or you go to – or, you know, they come here. Uh, Houston comes in, and they play a great game, and they get you. All of a sudden, you're five and four – and all of a sudden, this playoff thing starts to look a little – it's a little – Murky, it's a little, yeah. It's a little scratchy. It's really those three games, right? It's Oakland, it's Houston, it's Philadelphia. If you go two and three in those games, you two make the one. playoffs. Two and one. Sorry. If you go two and one <laughs> of those games, you make the playoffs as a wild card. Yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz has played better as of recent weeks too, so – it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, and guys. Particularly, also... it, particularly, it's important to beat Oakland. Um, I think so too. They they are the next, I think, best record next to the Browns. Yeah, that'd be com- yeah. That, that would be competing for a wild card spot. So that's an important one. It's sure. Las Vegas, by the way. Las Vegas, uh, yeah, screwed. Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, guys. Something also to monitor too. Miles Garrett's missing practice. Missed practice today with an ankle injury. So. Uh, could be quite the important part. Heard <laughs> that it doesn't seem to be all that serious. But uh, last thing I want to talk yeah. about with the Browns because you just brought it up. Can we talk for a minute about Miles Garrett? Yeah. Are you kidding me? The yeah. NFL sack leader with nine yeah. sacks, nine sacks through seven games, four strip yeah. sacks, and yeah. each one of the four. And Ronnie Harrison, what an incredible recovery on that, by the way, just before he went out of right. bounds. Yep. Each one of his four strip sacks have resulted in turnovers. Miles Garrett has been the most disruptive player defensively in the NFL. That, that dude is single-handedly responsible for two of the Browns wins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like sure. he has been everything you hoped he would be and then some. He is on pace to shatter Cleveland Browns single season sack records. Yeah. He is mm-hmm. And and they always count. That's the fun thing about Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett gets a sack when you need it the most. Yeah. Uh-huh. When another team is like pushing up on you and you're starting to get nervous, that's exactly when Miles Garrett makes his presence known. He he isn't going to get a sack every play. Teams are double and triple teaming him. That is what it is. But that dude, it is it is maybe the greatest Browns player I've ever watched play. And that dates all the way back. That dates all the way back to when I was a kid. This guy is a top-level transcendent talent. This guy is on his way to a Hall of Fame career. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Michael Strahan, I know you're listening. 
he is coming after your sack record, pal. Okay. Okay. He listens. Did you guys know that? I didn't even know. I didn't even know uh, that uh, we didn't. The, the NFL didn't start keeping sacks as a stat until the eighties. Like, I, I never knew that. That's sad. Isn't it? But, you know, there were, there were years where there weren't a lot of passes being thrown. Nah, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. So anyways, Browns, Raiders from First Energy Stadium, 1 o'clock this upcoming Sunday. Uh, I'm excited for it. Browns coming off a big bounce-back victory against the Bengals. Uh, looking to really, uh, again, you go 6-2. and two. And I want to say the percentage of teams that go six and two, especially because they've uh, they've expanded the playoffs. So now seven teams are going to make the playoffs uh, in each conference. The uh, the percentage of teams that would make the playoffs at six and two with a seven team uh, playoff is like ninety nine percent. So awesome. uh, you you get this win this week, and barring just a collapse at the end of the year, uh, we should be talking about some postseason football. Uh, for the Browns. Uh, again, a lot of football left, not even halfway through the season, but, but it's been awesome. It's been fun watching uh, this team come to fruition. The coaching staff has been wonderful, and, and we'll see what happens. So, uh, uh, yeah, the last thing I want to talk about, and I'll let you guys get to whatever else you guys want to get to before we get out of here. I don't know if we have any more scary movie things or anything like that. But uh, if you're bored, if you're listening to this tonight, and Friday night, you're bored because I don't know, COVID's coming back and it sucks. And maybe you don't have anything to do and you don't have anywhere to go. Uh, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a little plug for Chad Meyer and myself. Yeah. Chad Meyer and I super excited to be calling a, uh, uh, division one region one final game. The winner of this high school football game Friday night goes to the final four uh, mm-hmm. to compete for a state championship, and it should be really good. It's a, it's a rematch of a matchup that Chad and I had week one. It is the Menor Cardinals, which everybody expected them to get there, mm-hmm. against this Cinderella run of the Medina Battling Bees. Right. And again, maybe you don't listen to high school football. I would listen to this one, though, uh, because – if it's anything like the first half of that game before Medina's quarterback got hurt, Chad, uh, this is going to be a special ball game, uh, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. Medina has plowed through an impossible uh, road to victory so far in the playoffs, knocking out both St. Ed's and St. Ignatius. And oh, no their, their prize mm-hmm. for beating St. Ed's and St. Ignatius is you got to knock out men or two. So. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see what happens. We're going to be coming at you. Uh, you can catch us on either WEOL.com or the WEOL mobile app, but you can catch us live from Menor High School. Uh, what's the name of that stadium? The JTO, the Jerome T. Osborne Stadium. Chad and I will be live at the JTO, the Jerome T. Osborne Stadium. Mike's uh, making the I'm, trek out to Menor, everybody. Yeah, Chad's driving seven seconds. <laughs> That's right. To That's that right. Stadium. Just a hop, skip, and a jump away from my house. But tune in. If you're bored and you want to listen to some high school football Friday night, it's not like there's baseball. Oh, we didn't even talk about We got to talk about that before we get out of here, too, but then we're going to get out of here. <laughs> uh, we didn't even talk baseball. There's no basketball to talk anymore. There's no hockey to talk anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, but high school football Friday night. 
Jump yeah. on WEOL and listen to Chad and I. Uh, we're going to have a good time calling that game. It is a big-time matchup in Division yeah. One high school football here in Ohio. Yeah, Medina keeps doing things they're not supposed to these this postseason. Let's see if they can do one more. <laughs> one more thing they're not supposed to. Let's do it. All right, lastly, before we get out of here, because, again, we can't not talk about this as a sports podcast like a bunch of idiots, the Los Angeles Dodgers win the World Series. Can I say that I'm excited about it? Is that okay? Are you? Because uh, I was uh, about yeah, to say sure. nobody gives a shit. No, I'm excited about it. Those are like you know two of like the least exciting teams to have made. I just I don't know. Like the Rays, they're cool. They like that. It's a great World Series. A bunch of nobodies. It's a good World Series. Not well, why are, World Series. why are you excited? Why are you excited? Hold on, the listeners aren't going to be able to see this, but I'm going to do something that I'm going to hope shows you why I'm excited. Ready? Oh yeah. God. Oh, Joe, oh Kelly? Joe Kelly. Fuck yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Joe Kelly got uh, a ring. Yeah. Hell yes. Doesn't he Joe already Kelly. have a ring with Boston? Doesn't he already have a, a ring? I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I'm excited he got the ring with the Dodgers after he, after he was plunking the Astros and making faces at him. Stupid Carlos Correa. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm, ex- okay. I'm excited for Mookie Betts. I really like Mookie Betts. He's a phenomenal human being, phenomenal player. I'm glad he was able to get a second ring. Uh, you know the funny that, thing is? What? The funny thing is, on that note, Joe, that Dodgers team is full of like kind of likable players. Like, how do you not like Cody Bellinger? No, like, that's true. I would have said, how do you not like Justin Turner before he did what he did last night? Maybe Kiki Hernandez you know, has COVID. I got something on that, and this is probably an unpopular opinion, especially since I'm very like myself strict with COVID protocol. Um, they're in a bubble together, and they're with each other the entire time, and they're in the dugout the entire time. Obviously, prolonged exposure is a huge risk. Like, but uh, would you risk your life to celebrate your World Series victory? No, no. no. All right, no. there you go. Look at that. No, I bet. I bet you got it from Kiki Hernandez, dick bumping each other. Them Listen, dick bumping. I'm with you, Joe. <laughs> I'm with you. Like, and I don't want to make too big of a deal out of it because I think part of what you're saying is right. If he tested positive yesterday, he had it the day before and the day before that. And he was probably hanging in the hotel with the guys. He's probably whatever. But at dick the bumping. same time. Dick bumping. What a – what? <laughs> dick bumping. Did you ever why? see their celebration? Him and Kiki oh, yeah, Hernandez's dick celebration? Oh. Yeah. Dick bump? Like, I don't know why they're doing that, but uh, I don't know. Maybe that's how we got it. But I'm getting off of that. Uh, <laughs> it's a bad look. It's a bad look. When when you get pulled out of the game and then Major League Baseball issues a statement that you have been – and the Dodgers issued a statement that you have been isolated from the team and then all of a sudden there you are out there celebrating with the team. Yeah. doesn't matter. Mask, no mask. He was taking his mask off. He was hugging everybody. Again – I'm not too crazy about it. I'm not going to be too. It's a bad look. That's a bad look. Really bad look. Out there. That was you know bad. what else? You know what else is a bad look? You want to know what else is a bad look? Hmm. Wait for you to finish your beer. Uh, pulling Blake Snell when he has a two-hit shutout oh, with Jesus 73 Christ. pitches. Okay. <laughs> we have to talk about this. What happened there? What the fuck was that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That, that was just a throwaway. Let's just throw away this game right here. That was the worst managerial decision I have ever seen anybody make. Yeah. 
And I got people online, people that I like, people on Twitter that I like. They're like, well, that's their process. But like, your fucking process is stupid. What are you talking <laughs> right. about? Right. Your guy was throwing a one-hit shutout, and then he gave up a single. Take him out? Take him out. He's got out. out. Listen, I, I think analytics has a place. I, I think it has a big place. I like analytics. I'm big into that. I love that stuff. I think using the numbers and the math and the science and all that stuff that goes into analytics, I love it. But if you're going to use it to a point where you take intelligent baseball decisions out of a game, mm-hmm. like Kevin Cash wasn't sitting in that dugout going, well, I know what the analytics say, but I'm watching this guy mow down yeah, right. every batter he has faced. So right. I know I'm not taking him out of the game because he served up one single in, in, in this inning. Every now and then you have to manage on feel like, and uh, the feeling was he was throwing a shutout. Yeah. And, and, and people were like, yeah, but this is the process that got them to the world series. And I'm like, cool. Now it's the process that lost them the world series. Well, you're going to have to explain the process to me then because glass. Now he leaves glass now in for 112 pitches to die. But Blake Snell's throwing a two hit shutout and he's like, ah, you're, you're done. And then, done. And I'm a fan. I'm. I, we all, the three of us, should be big fans of Anderson. That dude was a Frontier League pitcher. Yeah, yeah. Anderson pitched in the Frontier League. Yeah. We all worked in the Frontier League. Right. I'm a huge fan of that guy. I hope he does great things. Uh, right. He's been total shit the last like ten games. He's given up a run in each of his last eight appearances. Right. Why right. is that the guy you brought in? Right. Yeah. Where's the Where's the numbers on that shit? Idiot. <laughs> that was, it was, I had, there were so many people that were like, well, this is their process. And then I'm looking at like actual baseball people and they're like, what? Or <laughs> players from around baseball that are all on Twitter. Like what just happened? Right. Why would you do that? Right. That dude was pitching phenomenal. Right. And it was just like, no, nah, you know what? <clears throat> Sorry about that single. I know you're at 73 pitches. <laughs> and just throwing like ninety-eight mile an hour heaters, and then like seventy-five yeah. mile an hour sliders, and it's just nasty, yeah. and nobody can touch you. But I'm going to need you to take a seat. But we had we had you on a pitch count of seventy-four, and we don't think you're going to finish this game with one more pitch. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> no, nobody on the planet has appreciated wearing a mask more than Blake Snell did when he got <laughs> yeah. that dugout, and nobody could read his lips. Right. Right. He needed to pull a Mike Mussina. Remember the Mussina? Joe Torrey's coming out, and he's like, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, Torrey, and Torrey just does this. He goes, oh, okay, okay, all right, all right. In fairness, Dodgers were the best team in baseball this year. Uh, they built a tremendous team. Um, and, I, you know, they gave Mookie Betts a huge contract, but a lot of what they built has been uh, um, pretty homegrown stuff there for the Dodgers. Or good trades made for the Dodgers, so yeah. they're they're not a they're not one of those big money teams that you can just hate like the Yankees or the Red Sox when they were doing their thing. They're they're pretty uh, they're pretty easy to like. They won the World Series. They deserved it. I mean, they've been to the World Series enough and lost yeah. it enough yeah. where it's. I think it's pretty cool that they were able to get over the hump and win it. And and uh, and now it's it's uh, it's. The MLB off season, which is like the Indians postseason uh, at this point, which is 
you know, we're, we're now talking about the inevitable for the Indians, which is what the hell is this team going to look like? Uh, you've, you've got uh, Cesar Hernandez, which is officially a, a free agent, uh, even though he was phenomenal for the Indians and every Indians fan should want him back. But mm-hmm. obviously the big story is what's going to happen. What are the Indians going to look like and who's going to play shortstop for the Indians next year. And uh, I've seen a lot of uh, rumors that like Mike Freeman and Yu Chang are going to be our second baseman and shortstop next year. Oh, and, oh, uh, get me Ronnie Belliard on the phone. I don't know. Okay. Oh man. He'll put to bring Casey Blake out of retirement. He's coming in at third base. I don't know if I can huh? handle it guys. I don't know. Is Matt, is Matt Lawton still a player? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Matt Lawton. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, uh, we got Browns coming up. We got the Buckeyes against Penn State Saturday night. That should be a lot of fun, even though there's not going to be a lot of fans. I don't know. Are, are there any fans going to be there? I'm not sure. I'm not I sure either. I know cardboard cutouts will be. So that's cool. All dressed in white. It'll be a good time. Uh, uh, anything else you guys got before we get out of here? You know, um, Jay had an ice cube that was a sphere, one of those big ice cubes. Oh god! And this is this is the thing I love about getting older, is that like things are like, oh my god, that'd be so cool to have. Like they just start making that shit. Like you can buy <laughs> a refrigerator freezer combo that makes big ice cubes. Yeah, oh, like the fridge actually makes them. The fridge yeah. makes them. That's pretty cool. Because like right now, like I, you know, I'm a big ice cube guy with my bourbon and all my fancy drinks, and uh, I got a Tupperware <laughs> that I just keep putting them in as I make them. Um, but someone already thought of it, and I'm just I'm I'm happy for them and yeah. for me because I get to reap the benefits of that once I can afford. Oh yeah, it. listen, tell me about it. I've 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 got like the big ice cube maker in my freezer, but there's also a restaurant real close to where I live. It's called Char. Uh, it's like a bourbon bar slash restaurant. It's awesome. Uh, they sell little like metal rocks. It's like a three pack for six bucks and you just throw them in the freezer and they're metal. So they yeah. just stay frozen. Like whiskey stones. But, but they don't, yeah, they're like whiskey stones, but they don't water down your your bourbon. And I'm a big bourbon guy. So yeah, yeah. those are great. I'm yeah. just becoming an old man. Now you screenshotted before, and then my last thing, Mike, before you screenshotted me, uh, uh, uh monstered. Did you uh, partake? In the hell no, in the fantastic <laughs> monsters. No, I didn't watch. Oh, you know, what? I did watch what you asked us to watch. I, I like opened it up and watched a couple of scenes. I watched uh, the Glade Donut scene, which was just the dumbest thing. And then it's I watched so the scene, stupid. Then I watched the scene you told us about about the guy plunging. So here's what I didn't see coming. Um. I thought that when he was like plunging, yeah, like you were gonna see monster like come out of the toilet. Yeah, and he was like pulling him up. That's not what yeah. happened. That's not what happened at all. He was just down there wildly plunging, flashing <laughs> shit all over himself, <laughs> but for no reason. For no, re- nothing right. was happening. He was but just doing that he for saw no monster. Yeah. No, he didn't see monster. He was just supposedly. Uh, he was way overly aggressive on the plunge splashing himself everywhere, covering himself in poop. And then all of a sudden, the funny thing is, he was still plunging, and Monstered appeared behind him. Oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Right. Ah. Monster came in the door. Monster didn't come out of the toilet. Well, there's, I mean, yeah. I mean, he had a feeling. It was a feeling that Monster was behind him. Yeah, but why did he get behind him? He didn't even come <laughs> out of the toilet. He just, was Monster just know. out walking on the street? Like, listen, I got to kill that guy. Listen, with that type of movie, you can't fucking explain anything. <laughs> it's just fair. everything, anything and everything random is just going to happen. Listen, it was, I watched those two scenes. And unless the three of us ever get together in like a drunken fashion, that'll be the last time I ever watch any of that. Well, but, I mean, we, of course, I, I, I mean, I think that's an idea. I mean, we have to get together and have, just have to get drunk and just get out I've of I've still never those. met you, Chad, so there you go. Well, we well, have. There we go. Not in person. Yeah, you have. <laughs> yeah. Not in person, but yeah. Well, we got to still. Oh, yeah. At an Indians game. Oh, it's true. That's true. It's true. Oh, shit. It's that true. was you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Yeah. Well, 30, 33 episodes in, some shit like that? <laughs> like that. 36. No worries. 36, Finally figured yeah. it out. Yeah. Good to meet you. Hey, you too, <laughs> buddy. You too. <laughs> all right, boys. We're getting the hell out of here. Uh, monster to no monster. First of all, we want to give one more thank you to our very special guest, Jay Richardson. Uh, that was awesome. Find him on Twitter at jrichardson99. Uh, former Ohio State Buckeye, former NFL player, uh, current talker of Ohio State sports on ABC down in Columbus, and uh, uh, just a great conversation, a collector of comic books. He called himself, he's a self-proclaimed nerd, uh, but he's a nerd that can beat you up, so watch out. Uh, Jay Richardson with a great, uh, a great commentary on, on all things Buckeyes and all that. Uh, so thank you to Jay Richardson for joining us. Uh, for Joey Whalen down in Nashville, Tennessee, at Garage Beers Joe on Twitter. For Chad Meyer over on the east side of Cleveland, at Garage Beers Chad on Twitter and Instagram. I am Michael Keefe. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Garage Beers Mike and find the show at The Garage Beers on Twitter, on Instagram, and find us on Facebook at The Garage Beers Podcast. For all of us at The Garage Beers Podcast, thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.